Hello and welcome to season three of Kohler Commentary, a podcast that highlights stories within the Korean community with a hope to spark dialogue that ignites connection, reflection, joy, and healing. I'm your host, Inji, and I want to start off by saying Happy New Year! As I was reflecting on 2022, man, was it full of crazy ups and some crazy downs, with feelings of not being good enough and feelings of explosive joy and blessedness. As I continue to navigate this season of motherhood with now two sons. But as I chose to reflect on the things I'm proud of in this last year, doing this podcast and getting to connect with amazing people who shared their powerful stories with me was at the very top of my list. Additionally, this past summer, I took a brave step to invest in myself and become a certified Enneagram coach. Before Evan, my newborn son, was born, I was able to journey with about seven to eight clients using the Enneagram as a coaching tool and go through about a month and a half with each of them in a road to self-discovery. For those that don't know, the Enneagram is a system of personality which describes people in terms of nine different types, each with their own distinct motivations fears, and internal dynamics. The Enneagram is an emotionally focused system of understanding people, love the emotions, honing in on one's core emotional motivations and fears. So to break it down, the Ennea, which means nine, and Gram, which is a diagram, if you see it on Google images or look it up, it's simply a map, kind of like a GPS for self-discovery and personal growth based on these nine basic personality types and how they are actually intertwined together to show each of you where you could grow and discover yourselves in greater depths. While I'm obsessed with many different personality types and have taken them all, um, ENFJ, Sanguine, Choleric, I think I'm a gold or something. Like The Enneagram is something that kept me wanting to come back for more because there is so much power in its ability to harness and transform a lot of self-limiting behaviors into life-enhancing personal empowerment, which is why I love being an Enneagram coach now. Through this self-discovery, you can create and then sustain meaningful and lasting relationships with others and even yourself. So while I was learning about all of this and taking this course and getting to journey with some people through personal coaching sessions, I thought it would be really exciting to also implement it into the podcast. So in this new season, I hope to incorporate bits of the Enneagram into each episode. So what will this look like? My main priority is still to amplify the stories and experiences of each of my guests first and foremost, but I hope to also ask Enneagram-specific questions into each conversation in order to make space for us to dive even deeper. If you actually go into the Enneagram, it's sometimes it's hard because it it's really exposing of your inner self. And so when you do know your type and when you do get to kind of be confident in that, I feel like the conversations I get to have with my guests will just have an extra layer of depth to it. As I first share about a certain topic or layer within the Enneagram, then those following episodes will be geared towards that specific topic. So it's not super Enneagram heavy. And as you guys might know from a previous episode, I am an Enneagram 2. I love deep talk. So look at me just trying to get even deeper on the pod. About a year ago, you guys know my former co-host Wanhee. Shout out Wani. He and I did a podcast episode about the Enneagram and that's where we actually described each of the nine types, their core motivations. And so instead of redoing that by myself today, I'm going to link that in the show notes for you to access if you want to listen to it on your own. For today's opening episode, I will introduce our first topic, which is the interpreted childhood message, also known as a wounding message or an injuring message or an influencing message. Um, but I like interpreted childhood message. So we're going deep with your childhood today. 
So while you were growing up, there might have been a constant message that played inside of you. And this message was either directly or indirectly communicated to you by a parent or an authority figure that greatly shaped how you responded to life. The reason I like interpreted childhood message is it doesn't necessarily put any blame on the parent or authority figure because it's also how you interpreted a message based on how you viewed things through your type as you were molding your mindset growing up. So once you realize this message, it becomes easier for you to see how your core desires and your fears are really deeply ingrained in you because your type becomes who you are at such a young age. On the flip side, one of the core motivations for each type is also called the core longing or the core message. And this is a message you desire to hear. Most of the times you might have longed or strived to hear this message first from your parents or other authority figures, but maybe you felt like you never fully got to hear it or feel it. And so I wanted to go ahead and introduce the Enneagram today through these interpreted childhood messages and then the core longing for each type. If you don't know your type, I will also link an Enneagram assessment that I really like in the show notes as well, um, which is from Your Enneagram Coach, the course that I actually took in order to become certified. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I know this all sounds like a plug. I'm just, you know, trying to also be proud of myself, little flex here and there, and yeah, provide that structure as we move forward. So as I read these messages, I want to prompt you, even in this time and space, if you're not a guest, but through these Enneagram topics, I would invite you to even join me in reflecting or thinking, and so that you can even have that own time and space to process. And so asking yourself what emotions or thoughts surface when you hear these messages, and dig deep, whether it be with me on the pod and as a community here, or if you want to, you know, talk with your bestie, your sister, your husband, your, your wife over some wine tonight go ahead and do that okay all right as Jaden would say let's go enneagram type one is known by the enneagram institute as the reformer and through your enneagram coach i like that they have an adjective with what they like to call it so enneagram one is the reformer or the principled reformer the message that you might have interpreted as a child was it is not okay to make mistakes And the core longing, the message you want to hear and you desire to hear growing up and maybe even today is that you are good. Enneagram number two is known as the helper, uh, nurturing supporter. And I actually heard this one, I think from Beatrice Chestnut, and I really liked it, the befriender. Because sometimes when you hear Enneagram 2, you can feel like, oh, it's about helping or giving, but it's really, it lies in connection and friendship and being wanted and loved. So obviously I'm an Enneagram 2, so I'm kind of giving a little extra on this one. Um, So the message you might've heard or interpreted growing up was, it is not okay to have your own needs. And the message you desired to hear was that you are wanted and loved. Enneagram number three is known as the achiever or the admirable achiever. Um, You might have interpreted the message that it is not okay to have your own feelings or your own identity. And the message you long to hear is that you are loved for being yourself. Enneagram number four is the individualist or the introspective individualist. And the interpreted childhood message you might have felt growing up was that it is not okay to be too functional or too happy. And so because of this, your core longing or the message that you desired to hear was that you are loved and seen for exactly who you are, special and unique. Enneagram number five is the investigator or the analytical investigator. And the interpreter childhood message was, it is not okay to be comfortable in the world. 
And the message you wanted to hear, that longing in your heart was that your needs are not a problem. I actually don't know too many Enneagram fives and it feels very distant for me in terms of understanding. So I love getting to know more about the inside mind of Enneagram fives. Um, So if anyone ever wants to have a chat, if you're identifying as a five yourself. The Enneagram number six is the loyalist or the faithful guardian, also one of the best friends you can really have. The interpreted childhood message you might have heard or felt growing up was that it is not okay to trust yourself. And the message you desired to hear was that you are safe and secure. Enneagram number seven is the enthusiast or the enthusiastic optimist, life of the party, right? You might have heard the message or interpreted the message that it is not okay to depend on anyone for anything. And the core message or that longing you desire to hear is that you will be taken care of. Enneagram number eight is the challenger. I like this name better, the passionate protector, because sometimes challenger seems very like offensive. And while that could be a section of Enneagram eight as well, I think they are just people who are very protective of their people, protective of those around them and coupled with a lot of passion. I'm thinking about an Enneagram eight in my life. And If you're an eight, a childhood message you might have interpreted was that it is not okay to be vulnerable or to trust anyone. And a core message you desire to hear, your longing is that you will not be betrayed. And last but not least, the Enneagram 9 is known as the Peacemaker. And I actually like this name better as well, the Peaceful Accommodator. Interpreted childhood message growing up that you might have received was that it is not okay to assert yourself. And a core message, the longing in your heart to hear is that your presence matters. And so with these, I think if you're listening and you know your Enneagram type, it would be cool for you to think about what you heard. Did that interpreted childhood message resonate with you? Or even today, because of what you might have felt growing up, do you realize that there is a core longing for you to hear the message that I shared on the ladder? And so what I hope to do with each intro topic is to share briefly about the Enneagram topic itself and then model the vulnerability on the front end by then reflecting on it. And you could either use the same way of reflection as me, but I think this shows that even if you're an Enneagram 2, and I think I know a lot of Enneagram 2s, I think our life experiences are all different. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that your message was shaped in the same way. If you're an Enneagram 2, you'll definitely be getting a lot more Enneagram 2 content since I am your host. I think one of my hopes with bringing the Enneagram into the or into this podcast is actually as I learn more about people's types and through the Korean community, I really think being able to unpack layers through the Enneagram would bring greater healing or greater dialogue for people to have be equipped with as you begin to like even understand your own traumas or your own culture customs traditions growing up i'm excited for that i know a lot of like twos and threes which is very like helping serving or achieving and i don't think that's a surprise as well if you do know the community If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp, the sponsor of this episode, is here for you. BetterHelp offers a broad range of over 20,000 licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Plus, you can get 10% off your first month with my code, betterhelp.com slash Kohler. 
With BetterHelp, you can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience, and all you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs before getting matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. As a mom constantly working around Jaden's toddler schedule, having my weekly therapy online has been a complete game changer and a huge reason why I have made big steps to better my mental health for myself and for my family. You can also request a new therapist anytime at no additional charge. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Don't forget to use my code to get that 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Kohler. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Kohler. As an Enneagram 2, my interpreted childhood message was, it is not okay to have your own needs. Now, while this could also be known as the wounding message, like I said before, I like interpreted message because it shows how you come to a conclusion as a child learning these things around you. So for some kids, there could have really been some heavy traumatic experiences. But honestly, I think from what I can remember, I really loved my childhood and my family dynamic. And so in this, it says that the parent or authority figure um, made this impact on you. And so I can definitely see how mindsets formed inside. And in a Korean household as the Magne, my brother and my sister are also technically authority figures as well. Onni and Oppa. So if I actually recall fond memories, and we've shared these on the podcast before, right? But one of them would be that I used to sleep on the floor every night next to my sister who was sleeping on her own queen bed. Later, I realized there was a correction on my sister's end that the reason she made me sleep on the floor was actually because I moved so much when I used to sleep on the bed with her and I would kick her. Like I would turn upside down so that my feet would be where her face is. And so it completely makes sense. And in her mind, this was the compromise. But that part of the story didn't stay in my mind. And so as I share this story with others, there's no bitterness, but there is a huge sense of like, I loved my sister so much that I wanted to sleep next to her every single night, even if it was on the floor, right? And so my memory recalls that every morning as I would wake up on the floor, I would like peep up to see, um, like peek at her because I was so low and I would see her body comfortably like sprawled on her bed and I would just smile because I got to sleep next to her. And in that, I must have somehow added to this message I was building inside my mind that it is not okay to have your own needs. Um, being that it's not okay to need to sleep on a bed because for me, relationally, that was more important. So it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing. It was actually one of my most fond growing up memories. But I can see that even in those, how is my mind interpreting a message inside? And maybe for other twos out there, but for especially me, those needs become deprioritized when it comes to relationships. Another fond memory like this that we've shared is that I was definitely my brother's soccer goalie. And I wanted to spend time with my brother so badly and connect with him. And so I took on this offer that he so kindly offered me that I could practice soccer with him by being his goalie. Now, keep in mind that my brother played college soccer at Harvard, so he's good, you know, and I would be so scared when he kicked because I once got kicked in the face when I was in soccer in kindergarten. And so I had this like trauma of getting hurt. 
Anyways, I so badly wanted to spend time with him and I loved doing it in a natural element like soccer for him that I told myself it didn't matter if I was scared. And once again, do you see that the interpreted childhood message comes up that it's not okay to have my own needs, especially when it came to relationships. And once again, this is a positive memory, but it's interesting how subconsciously it seems like sacrificial or like it seems good, but when I'm not in a healthy place, that mindset could turn bad or unhealthy. Furthermore, there are also things called childhood patterns if you want to dig deeper into your type. And so for an Enneagram 2, your superpower allows you to feel and know other people's emotions and needs intuitively. This gave you the ability to provide for others without them having to ask. And if you are an Enneagram 2, you know that this is definitely your superpower. And when people were shocked or delighted and thankful for your service, unknowingly, you became addicted to these reactions and you would seek them over and over. And this clicks for me because we are given this superpower innately. And I had shared on another episode that my mom, right? I recall the time when I was over at my friend's house and my friend's mom had given me two dried cum persimmon to eat. And I was so excited when I saw this cum because I love this fruit and my mom loves this fruit. So I ate one and I packed the other and brought it home to her. And as a young girl, I remember seeing her face light up because she was so touched that her very like elementary school daughter would quote, quote, like selflessly forego this fruit, like not eat both because I liked it too, but pack one up and save it just for her. And so I remember feeling her gratitude, but not only that, the story would go on and be shared in countless different situations as a genuinely grateful moment for her. I've heard her share it with her friends and even on my wedding day was like, a story we shared about, shared with one another. I was just using my superpower naturally, but that reaction and that memory that sparked like inside out, like it sparked a core memory for her, right? I probably ate that up without even realizing it. And while in my healthier stages, I still use this superpower in a natural overflow where I love on people genuinely. I think it's interesting because how do these childhood patterns represent you as an adult? like let's say you're in an unhealthy state these patterns could surface in unhealthy ways so what does that look like as an adult um, for me right now when I deny my needs as a mother or maybe in marriage it's different right than what I was used to growing up in my family and so maybe the reward the reward of the reaction is not as strong and so where does that lead me I've had many stages of bitterness and resentment rather than a natural overflow of love and joy that a two usually serves out of and so speaking of serving right there was a huge huge place where I saw authority as well growing up in a Korean church. And honestly, when I did get into a more unhealthy identity as an adult internally, I also sought my desire to serve increase like ASAP. If I didn't serve, I am nothing. And that message, if that was affirmed, then it continuously played stronger in my mind. And so I'm actually really curious to hear how others' church experiences might have also shaped your own beliefs. Because while serving is important and a true gift, you have to always ask yourself, like, from what heart does that service come from? Because especially for twos, it could come from a desire, like I shared, of being addicted to to gratitude. And then you're just going to be disappointed over and over again. 
Another childhood pattern of a two is that you tend to read the body expressions and the body language of your parents or authority figures to assess if you were loved or not, worthy or not. And this was all done internally. If you did not hear or read the love, then you felt deflated or hurt. Um, when I was reading this one, it also didn't resonate with me because growing up, I felt loved and I felt very affirmed in who I was in my family, in my church community. Um, maybe I guess sometimes at school, I I wasn't sure I had that unstable instability in in knowing that but this pattern is done subconsciously so while i always felt secure in my identity and can't re really recall assessing my worth i see how i do it a lot more now as we become adults that are put into more new environments or less secure environments so i found myself especially in san antonio and houston assessing worth and friendships and communities in my marriage and whether i am actually wanted or loved based on expressions or reactions or languages and i think that's why sometimes i'm like are you okay are you mad at me and i think it's it's important to just reflect on these things because while in our type when we're healthy and there are levels of health you can do so much good with who you are. Once you learn more about where you could be when you're unhealthy, you can pinpoint those triggers, you can pinpoint those um, like cracks and allow yourself to be even more empowered and, and, and walk in greater health. So I'm still processing too as I learn and grow daily, but I do love how the Enneagram leads to this further reflection. And so yeah, I just thought I would share my reflections um, kind of more like, I don't think service level, but brief as I am on the podcast to kind of guide us in our own reflections as well. So what I want to do is also invite my husband, Matt, onto the podcast. He is an Enneagram 9, and um, I thought he could share his own reflections on his interpreted childhood message and the core longing of his heart. Thank you, Matt, for coming on and sharing your reflections. No problem. Happy to be here. I love being a guest. So for an Enneagram 9, the childhood message you might have interpreted growing up was that it is not okay to assert yourself. And so just kind of wondering if there were any memories or of when this might have started to form. And then if you can also share what the core longing of your presence matters means to you. And I also shared with you the childhood patterns of an Enneagram 9, if there was one bullet point that stood out from there that you can tie in if you choose to do so. Okay. So the interpretive childhood message of it's not okay to assert yourself, I think I didn't struggle with that one very much just because I grew up just without a lot of conflicting periods of my life or, or periods of my life that I had a lot of conflict or where I feel like I needed to assert myself, I guess. So I don't think I really ran into that. So I, I never felt uncomfortable doing so, or at least I, I never had this kind of like core feeling that I couldn't do that. But I think it's just, just because it didn't feel necessary. Socially, I think I actually resonate with the second part of me, like the your presence matters more. I felt very mattered like at home, even though my family, we didn't talk that much about things. It was just still, again, a very peaceful place and we got along and we spent time together. It was a lot of harmony, I guess. So I, I felt... Wow, you're using a lot of buzzwords for an Enneagram 9, peaceful harmony, <laughs> non-conflict. Oh, really? I didn't even realize that. But when I entered a social setting, I think I wanted to matter 
in those. It was important for me to be good at things when I want to be good or be wanted when it was like um when people were gathering people to like go play basketball or to hang out or to go play video games. I wanted to be someone who was like invited early and often and I wanted people to think that I was like a, a net positive to have around to like bring something to the group. So I, I think in those settings I actually probably had I probably asserted myself very much, but it was almost, I think, because of the second part. Like that second part weighed more than the first part. I think I asserted myself more because I wanted my presence to matter. So I, I could like I could share my opinions very strongly or I could if we're doing something, I do it in a way to like make sure people know that I'm like important whether it's like sports or, or even just video games. And I think I was actually pretty good at things growing up, so I did well, but I wanted people to know I would do well. So I, I could, I think I could probably have came across in certain groups as kind of like, what's the word? Like, um, not arrogant. Ostentatious. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. That's probably as good as any. So yeah, so it was kind of a weird question for me. If we switch the word from it is not okay to assert yourself to it is not necessary to assert yourself then would you think that would like resonate with you more hmm. no i think it would still be kind of like the opposite like it is necessary but i think it's because of the second part it's weird i don't think i really identify with the first part much because of that but i think it's because i identify a lot with the second part like i want the second part and that drives me to be more insertionizing or feeling like it's more necessary for the first part so I don't know, maybe I'm just a weird nine in that sense. But I feel like it probably had to do with how I grew up because I didn't have a lot of insecurities. No, actually, that's a lie. I did have yeah. insecurities, but... Couldn't get any girls. <laughs> no, I had a lot of physical insecurities, actually. I guess that's for another time. Yeah, your teeth. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was one of them. Um, but I think I always felt like safe at home and I felt comfortable at home. And because I was good at things, I would kind of... Maybe I would kind of overplay my talents because i had insecurities like internally about my more it was mainly physical stuff i had insecurities about but i was very secure in my abilities so i think it was almost this like dichotomy that led me to kind of overplaying some of them oh is that why you are so buff now (laughs) (laughs) i mean i did i i did lose a lot of my insecurities when i started working out and stuff i had some that remained but a lot less i guess or maybe i felt like really confident about certain things then and still insecure about other things but there was a better balance i guess a more healthy balance so the childhood patterns actually resonate with very little of these two but there was one i um circled was when overwhelmed you retreated into your imagination where you found peace freedom and autonomy and i think i wouldn't have ever realized this growing up even though it might have been true because i'd never really felt overwhelmed i was probably very rarely overwhelmed for like 30 years of my life (laughs) i just didn't get overwhelmed i still don't really get overwhelmed but i can he said 30 because he got married at 30 (laughs) (laughs) no i just picked a big number but when i thought about this because again i i did have insecurities it didn't come out as me being overwhelmed but i did come about of me like thinking about things maybe about myself that i didn't like like i would remember i would literally sometimes Growing up, I would like, because I had big old buck teeth because of a dental procedure gone wrong, braces gone wrong. Another story for another time. It actually like pushed my teeth down over years. But I would remember I would just go in front of a mirror and I would, with my thumb, I would put it against my front teeth and just push it for like 20 minutes, just trying to, trying to get them smaller, even though I knew it would never happen. But like, 
So I, I, that never made me overwhelmed, but I was clearly insecure. And I did find a lot of peace when I would play like fantasy video games or read fantasy books. And it's because I would like fully, I would like imagine being in those worlds. And it was just something so new, like exciting, different. Really the only place where I really ever used my creativity and imagination. But I would, you know, I, I would spend hundreds of hours on those games and reading those books. I remember we had to do 800 pages a month to get this prize in eighth grade reading class. If you read 800 pages a month, then you would get something. I don't remember what, but you would like be a part of like this club. And I would read almost 8,000 pages every month because I would just finish like these fantasy books, book after book. And same with my video games. So. Wow. <laughs> fantasy and video. Sexy. Thank you. Actually, you know, a lot of girls do take that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it did. Like that was a place of, I, I always had peace around me, but it was like a different place of peace, I think. So I, I actually could, even if maybe if I didn't do it when overwhelmed, but similar type of mindset. And actually, I miss it now because now occasionally I get more like obvious overwhelming feelings just because of life stuff. And I miss being able to like play video games. Weird that sounds like I actually think it would be a health, a healthy thing for me right now to have time to play like an hour of video games a day because it kind of resets my mind and really lets me escape but sometimes escape can be a healthy thing i think escape in a very healthy way like we're using my imagination to just feel a little more peace so anyway so I, I like that bullet point i think it's true even if i never really noticed it that was really the one out of the childhood patterns that stood the most out of those childhood patterns do you see any that stick out now even though not growing up and as you skim that, um, did you know that a lot of Enneagram nines, yeah, like Matt had said, like kind of retreat into their own genre, like same genre of movie or video game or book. And it's kind of interesting because I've never seen Matt read a different type of book than fantasy. And he actually really connected with another friend of ours who also is an Enneagram nine, who also only read fantasy books. And it was very interesting. And like, the more you hear about like this, like retreat you have to go into that space and create that world, it doesn't necessarily have to be fantasy, but a consistent place for that peace because Enneagram nines do seek peace and harmony was very like evident. And so I thought that was very cool. There's um, the Harry Potter open world video game that's out or something and another friend of mine that's an enneagram nine he like pre-ordered this and was like so excited because he gets to create this world of something anyways so i just find it all fi fascinating yeah you should try it sometime it's pretty cool so i don't feel strongly with any of these but i do some there's stuff about homes. The ones like if you grew up in a home full of conflict or strong personalities, you physically retreat into a quiet environment, nature, or other places that had less tension. I don't do that in the sense my home has tension, but I do in the sense that like when there's conflict that comes up because of like let's say we're on like a family trip, and even like if me and you get an argument or the kids are bad and it's just causing stress, I don't want to bring that into the house. So I would rather even if like my whole family's hanging out, I found myself I'd much rather just kind of like stay in the room and just like say the kid needs something it's again it's not family tension but like not deal with my own tension in the family house so yeah so i guess the combination of those two is this idea that it's better for me to be unseen and just like come back to the environment when things are a little more steady rather than to let the conflicts that i have or we have or whatever be seen it just like seems like an easier more peaceful way to go about it. I think that's very interesting to hear because I think in that same 
like circumstance. If I were to feel conflict with you or have conflict with you, I would want to go out and find like love from my family almost because I don't feel that in our tension or something. It's interesting how our core desires or core motivations are speaking for itself right now. Where like you don't want to contribute to any like disharmony or tension while I love people <laughs> or like safe people. And mine's actually less like I don't want to contribute to them and it's more just it's easier for me. So like your own internal peace would somehow still be maintained a little bit if you didn't have to bring it out. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. So it's good. It was very subtle. Like nothing like nothing jumped out right away. But I think when I thought about it or when we we're talking about even now, like I think little parts of it come out. Yeah, because even when I shared before you came in, like some of the childhood patterns for me, like I don't necessarily think they were all present when I was younger. Some could have been subconscious, right? Or something I would use if that circumstance came about, which is like why you didn't have much conflict growing up. But I think one important thing to say here is just that like as you reflect on your own interpreted childhood message or that core longing you want to hear the two messages I shared for each Enneagram type, because regardless if it was formed when you're a child, those beliefs or those mindsets shape you today. Um, they could be an insecure part about you or just a part that you're like, hey, this is a trigger. That's fine. And I move on. When you're married in the circumstance as we are now reflecting, or if you're in like community or if you're in a workplace, right, these will come up. And so how do you learn to work together, even if your core motivations are all different and can affect how you might perform if you're feeling insecure or not? Yeah, there's a lot that you can uh, dig into that comes out. So be sure to get the full course because you'll <laughs> learn a lot. All right, Matt, thank you for joining us. Um, well, I didn't want today to be too long. And so I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to our reflections. So what you can expect moving forward is that we will still be having guests with their own life journeys, life experiences. For the next few episodes, I will be asking them just about their interpreted childhood message so that they can share that in the context of the story that they might have as well. But even as you listen, maybe you will resonate with someone else or maybe you'll realize, oh, I'm also this any but my life experiences are different and this is how it shaped me. And so I'm excited to continue to build a virtual community through the podcast. And if you are <clears throat> interested in going on a coaching journey with me, feel free to email me at kohlercommentary at gmail.com because I would be so honored to embark upon that journey with you. And I would appreciate a great extension of grace as my editing might not be the best with two kids. The time is not as much as I had last time, but I still want to do this passion project this season. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be focusing on things beyond motherhood and hope you enjoy. See you next week. See you later on Kohler Commentary.